Well, hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. We are this show that talks about all things retro that involve baby boomers. If you talked about it, watched it, read it, experienced it, wanted to buy it in the Sears and Roebuck uh, Christmas catalog, we talk about it right here. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And we welcome you to our show. It's the first part of the year 2014. And my good partner, Smitty, and I have been looking back on holiday seasons past. And right about this part of the new year would be when the Christmas toys would start breaking or the batteries would die out. Right, Smitty? Yes, or the parts would begin to be missing. The parts would be missing, (laughs) and in some cases that was unintentional, but in the case of my partner Smitty and I here in the studio, it was purely intentional because we like to customize things. That's a fancy word for taking things apart and putting them back together that are unnaturally correct in our eyes, but not how you first saw it in the Western Auto or the Sears Wish Book. Yeah, trying to make something into something else that wasn't meant to be that thing. Well, see, Smitty, you had the advantage because you were associated with a TV and radio repair shop, so you got all the cool stuff, and as long as you could avoid electrocuting yourself... You could probably make some neat stuff, and I'll bet you did. I did. I played around with some of that stuff, and I did manage to shock myself pretty good on a couple of occasions, but luckily I'm still here. But, uh, yeah, we used to take all kinds of different things and and, uh, take them apart and make things out of them, or if, in my case, if I couldn't figure out how to make something work, I took it apart to see what was inside. Did you put it back together? Uh, sometimes I did, <laughs> and oftentimes I wound up with a little Dixie cup full of leftover parts <laughs> that somehow I didn't know where they belong. Like a Volkswagen engine. Like a Volkswagen engine, there exactly. Go. There's always there's those legendary stories of taking apart a Volkswagen engine, and you always have parts left over. Well, now, this is not a politically correct show. We t- we are licensed to talk about non-politically correct things because yes. we're a nostalgia and a memory show and a baby right. boomer show, but Smitty... Little boys tend to want to do odd and mysterious things to toys, to products. And probably the first thought that comes to mind were model cars and toy cars. And in my day, now this might be a few years before you, most of the toys were made in Japan and they were tin. Right. They were tin metal and they had little tabs that would hold the bumpers on and the windshields and you could get cut very badly. But if your dad was working, and for whatever reason he left his toolbox unlocked, you could get a pair of needle-nose plier and completely strip the car. I, you would look like a professional car thief when this car was done. There'd be nothing left but the little friction motor and the four tires. Even the hubcaps would be gone. And then you could forget about putting it back together because the tabs would break because they right. were cheap tin. Yeah. But we would customize those. And when I say customize, I mean... There, you would have. My brother had a toy uh, friction Japanese friction Mercury, mm-hmm. and I had a Chevrolet, I believe, an early El Camino, and it was like the Frankenstein of toy cars. And then you'd find out this doesn't look quite right. I can't show this to anyone. It was a good experience, but 
off to the bench vice it must go. <laughs> off to the crusher. Yes. <laughs> and right about this time of year, my mom would probably have three or four pictures left in the Kodak Brownie. She hadn't completely used up ah. the roll from when the cousins came over on Christmas Day and stood extremely uncomfortably in front of the Christmas tree for the family photo. So we had four or five photos left in the roll before we wound it back and took it down to Thrifty Drug. So my brother and I, we would make these dreadful-looking wreckages out of toys, the tin toys, using a ball-peen hammer and a bench vise, crush them up and take pictures of them. And, of course, my mom would get the prints out of the drugstore <laughs> and say, this is what we spent good money. Yeah, exactly. uh, not, only did you, not only did you ruin your toys, but you wasted money on four pictures that we could have used for Aunt Tuzi. That's right. And did you ever mess up? Did you ever customize board games or books or anything where you would make your own little artwork on the books or on the boards, like, say, like the game of Candyland? I think I told the story on effect on our show with uh, John and Susan Fox that I had my cousins gave me the same game right. <laughs> two years in a row. Well, I took parts from that game and um, just did different things with them. Uh, it had a deck of cards in it, and it had a bunch of other little game pieces. And I forget what I did exactly, but I just I said, "Well, I got two of the same things, and 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 now instead of having ten of these little game pieces, I now have twenty, and I have two decks of cards." And I remember just doing all kinds of crazy things, combining them together. It was just—it was very simple, childish stuff, but it was fun because it was a purpose that I had created. I had yes. created this in my mind. Well, there's nothing better than to get a toy or, or something, a game or a, a small ap appliance, Smitty, than to take it out in the garage and just take it apart. Oh, yeah. Just pull it apart and see what it was. And that was almost as fun as customizing other things mm -hmm. where you would try and turn it into something it wasn't supposed to be. I know we tried with a transistor radio once. I make a metal detector from a transistor radio. I remember it vividly in right. popular electronics. Yeah, popular electronics, yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you're 9 or 10 years old, none of the schematics make sense. No. So when the dials come off and it's no longer transistor radio, you wonder, well, what do I do this for? And you still have hope that you can make it into a metal detector. But just the adventure of taking something apart and, and seeing all of the wonderment of parts and, mm -hmm. and components and equipment and wondering what they do, what it's for. And I think, you know, I think that's, that's followed us to this very day, Smitty, mm -hmm. I have to have a lifetime of curiosity, wondering what makes things work, what makes things tick. You've taken, I'm sure you've taken a watch apart before, sure. have you? Sure, I've taken the watches and clocks apart. Clocks, and watches. All the gears and just looking at all the little weird shaped gears and looking, wow, this is, all these little parts put together make this clock that keeps accurate yeah. time and it's just amazing, you know, when you're a kid, you're just really amazed by seeing all these different things and, you know, there is that, that curiosity of what's inside, what, what yeah. makes this thing operate, what makes this thing work. And I think, yeah, we've all taken things apart. In fact, I, over the years, I know I've taken apart some things that I wish I hadn't have taken apart that today would have been probably worth something. But, you know, I think that's pretty universal. The kids way back when, when we were still little, probably were taking things apart that were made in the 20s that today would be very valuable antiques. But uh, That's so true, yeah. Smitty. And, you know, I think we did have an advantage because a lot of the items that we got were actually made out of steel and metal, yes. where plastic now, if you go to, if you go to try and customize a, a, a piece of plastic, 
bicycle, it, it's finished. Even t- nowadays, taking a, an old CD player or yeah. a DVD player apart, it's boring. You open it up, there's one one printed circuit board and maybe maybe a couple of little gears yeah. and a little motor, and that's it. There's not much else in there. We'd open a turntable up, there'd be gears and, oh, bel- and yeah. belts and levers mm-hmm. and and servos and sure. this rod went to that lever and this pulled a pulley and it was interesting i'll bet you were a bike customizer you just seem like the kind of guy you get a sheet of decals right maybe from a oh, model yeah. car sure they never made it to the model no car. they never made it to the model none of my, i don't think any of my model cars ever made it to uh, fruition no they, they were all left behind in in various stages of um of completion. Oh, so it's those plastic models <laughs> and, and oh gosh, if I had ever turned up missing or even at my young age committed a crime, all the FBI would have to do is go to one of my model cars because there's nothing on the model car body except my fingerprints etched <laughs> in that airplane glue stuck all over. Oh yeah. Where I tried I got glue on my fingers instead of wiping it off. I continued trying to assemble the car, <laughs> got as far as the bumpers and then I couldn't unstick the things, but the coolest part to me of the model car were the decals. Yeah. Because you'd get flames, and you'd have moon-equipped and cool little sayings, and especially for hot rod cars, and those would go out to my bike. Oh, yeah, definitely, out to the bike. And my bike back in those days when I was, I think, about uh, uh, 11 or 12 or so, something like that, my bike was yellow in color. And um, while rummaging through an old junk car... I came across a small can of metallic blue touch-up paint. Oh, oh, well, hey, let's, oh. let's add some. Let's the, add some. The possibilities. Oh, the possibilities were just endless. <laughs> let's add some color to this bicycle <laughs> painting. You know, and 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 I have, and it was this little can that that didn't seem to empty. You kept bringing the little brush out, and you would dab it on there, and it was an, almost like an endless supply of blue paint. And did you? You got the handlebars? Did you paint the chrome? I didn't paint the chrome. I think I actually painted like little stripes on the on the on the uh, the mainframe of the bicycle. And I remember for some odd reason painting the hubs, the the wheel hubs, painted them blue. For some odd, you know, the little axle, painting them blue. And I'm kind of, I can't now for the life of me think figure out what I was thinking, but I did. Well, you know, and that was all from one little jar of touch-up paint. One little jar of metallic blue touch-up paint. Splendid. Yes. <laughs> well, on the subject of paint, let me tell you, I think I was either 10 or 11 years old when I was introduced to my first can of spray paint. Mm. And when I was introduced to that first can of spray paint, I became possessed. Mm. To this day, I cannot avoid... Checking a can of spray paint, number one, to make sure it still sprays. But you had a Rust-Oleum. We had this stuff, and I forgot. It was model paint, and I forgot the name of the manufacturer. They came in little cans, spray cans, and you could get the coolest-sounding colors. They'd call it baby gloss orange, tangerine candy flake, and I was hooked. Oh, yeah. Because I would have to go get three or four of those cans, and I decided, just like you one day, you know... Blue bikes are not that cool anymore. <laughs> I am going to have a tangerine candy double sparkle colored bike. So I didn't mask anything off, Smitty. Of I course. just shook it until you hear the little marble That's rattle right. around in the can, yeah. and you're good to go. That's right. And I started the front bumper up to and including the handlebars all the way back to, and I think I spray painted the reflector. 
you know, how uncool would that be to have the tangerine candy colored sparkle hot rod bike in a red reflector. Yeah, that would so be I, cool. So I spray painted the whole thing. I think I was probably grounded for a month on that one. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just that I sprayed the bike. My dad was upset because he said, you'll never ride this. Because the first time some kids pull you off that and beat you up for being a sissy riding an orange bike. An orange bike, yeah. You won't ride it anymore. He was more upset about the overspray on the washing machine and on the side of his car Ooh. and on his workbench. So that retired my experience with spray paint until the next summer when I found a hardly used can of silver Rust-Oleum. It was silver, bright silver Rust-Oleum. And I w- took that and went to the garage. And my dad had some lockers that he had bought from Army Surplus. They were Army lockers. And I thought, these are olive drab green. Dad's going to really be thrilled when he comes home and these are silver metallic. No, he wasn't thrilled. I think I caught six weeks grounding on that. And we didn't tag or graffiti or anything, but we'd find things to paint. Paint. Did you go around the house? Did you look for things to paint? Did you paint your dad's tools, his wrenches ever? I didn't. Or or get paint on them? I didn't do that, Mike, but I'll tell you what I did one time. When I was little, I always wanted to help my dad paint. And for whatever reason, my dad would always say, no, 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 no. He wouldn't even let, he would not. So I was just itching to paint something. In our patio, we had an old redwood table, you know, the old redwood picnic tables that you would have outside in the patio, you know, back in the day. And there was a a, a can of uh, light green paint, like you would paint a kitchen back in the Just day. Just paint, 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 a bucket, paint, a bucket of paint, a can of paint, a can of paint. Uh oh. And I got that, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to paint this table." As I recall, it was the old. Um, I think it was the old oil-based paint, if, if I recall. I think this is during a summer vacation. My mother was inside. I opened up this can. I found a brush, and I began glopping it on this table. Well, she came outside and had a fit and said, wait till your father gets oh, yeah. home. And I said, okay, Mom, l- 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 let me get some turpentine, and I can clean this up. No, no, you leave it alone. No. Wait until your father comes home. He'll have to see this. Yes, he'll have to see. I oh. can't. I can't remember what punishment was executed, but I'm sure that it was pretty severe. Well, whatever. From the time <laughs> she said that till the time your dad got home was what two, three hours. Oh maybe? yeah, it but was that was torture. an eternity. That was wasn't an eternity it? waiting, knowing. And that you sat there because the wait till your dad gets home was known to you folks in the fifties and sixties, and some of you folks growing up in the seventies. That was known as the verbal death warrant. Yes, that's right. Uh, you had been remanded to execution, and the governor had refused your pardon, you were going to die. That's right. Shortly before dinner time. Yes, that's right. And the, you waited eons. It just, and you had all these thoughts. And how bad is it going to hurt? And this and that. Right. And there you are, because you couldn't hide the evidence. You had a very large green table that wasn't green that morning. That wasn't even fully green yet, because my mother caught me when I was about halfway through. <laughs> so how'd you get out of it? Uh, Mike, I honestly Did can't Did you remember. cop a plea? P- yeah. Perhaps I blocked that out in my <laughs> in, in my young mind. I, I honestly can't remember. I know I got punished for it, and, and I know I got yelled at, and I, I may have gotten spanked. But I don't know. I honestly can't remember. But that table was half green for a long time. Well, you know, I feel better because I think, (laughs) I don't know about girls. I came from a family as me and my two brothers. I think every boy growing up, anyway, baby boomers, 
has a story to tell about, just like I shared with you and you just shared with me, about wanting to help your dad yeah. or your mom. Right. I decided to do this, mom and dad, because I wanted to help. Yeah. I came up with this brilliant idea, right. paint the table green, right. in my case, paint the locker silver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's part of, of growing up with a curious mind, because you're talking about opening watches and clocks. Yeah. I think a clock was the most mesmerizing piece of machinery I've ever seen in my life when the bat came off. In my case, it was a chime clock, a Seth Thomas that my grandparents had thrown away. Oh, okay. Because it wouldn't chime anymore, and I was going to make it chime. Right, of course. And you take the back off, and it's just, somebody sat here and put all this together. That's what I want to do someday. Right. I want to be the guy that puts this stuff together, because yeah. if, <laughs> if he could put one of these things together, or... Better yet, be able to fix them. The guy could do anything. He's Absolutely. probably the guy that designed the atom bomb, for all I know. Yeah. And the machinery, but like you said, you, you hit on a really good point, Smitty, that when you were a kid growing up in the 60s, early 70s, or 50s, you could take something apart, and there was something there to look at. It wasn't a board. Exactly. With a battery clip yeah. and a dial, yeah. the end. Yeah. It, it, was, it was amazing. There were parts. There were metal parts and heavy parts and moving parts and i think that intrigued the young mind because i learned a lot i learned well first of all when you take something apart it's a good thing to have an empty egg carton so you can put all the parts yeah. in there yeah that's right especially spring related projects because those tend to go flying as missiles half a block away oh they do yeah yeah, yeah they if, do if you lose a spring it's over project over but even customizing a bicycle and uh, listeners because we will get emails on this one <laughs> Guys out there, you had your Stingray bikes or your Royce Unions, your three speeds, and you'd take them apart. Remember the ball bearings inside the wheel hubs? Oh, there yeah. were real bearings in there. Sure. That was amazing. Well, they seem like they probably need a little grease. Oh, yeah. So you'd go to your dad's big can of axle grease. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you'd get a putty knife full, yeah. and you'd glop it on so bad, there's no way you'd ever get that, that handlebar to turn again. Right. And I think that's the other thing we learned when we were customizing things, that if the directions say one of something, then two or three are probably better. Much better. Absolutely, yeah. I remember saturating things with oil, with yeah. with grease, with whatever. It, the bicycles were always... I think I probably had the best greased bicycle in the neighborhood. <laughs> the best oiled because it spins pretty good, but if I put more oil on here, it's yeah. going to spin even faster. <laughs> did, did you put? Did you get the close pin with the playing cards on your spokes? I never did that, Mike. But I always remember one fond memory I have is that is that my dad took me to to a store that was called Fedmart. It was a... Uh, oh, Fedmart. Uh, Fedmart was a... Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, a local chain here in the San Diego area. Kind of like a Costco? Kind of smaller Costco. Costco. Yeah, got, yeah, much smaller version there was of Costco. Fedmart, Fed Zodis. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And he bought me... It was really one of my fondest memories. He bought me a bunch of accessories for my bicycle. We got the two oh, rear wow. view mirrors. We got the little horn that you could honk. Okay. Uh, we got uh, a little... Uh, Kind of a little whip thing with a little pennant on it that I could put on the on the back of the bicycle. I think I oh I got some reflectors. I came home and I put all that on my bicycle and man I thought I was just in heaven. And, and that bicycle was was that a Stingray? No, that the banana was just, seat. That that was the one. Yeah, it had kind of a banana seat. Yeah. It was as I recall, it was a Montgomery Ward's bicycle. That's the one that I later on applied some okay. blue some blue paint to to put all those accessories on it, and you know, I kind of felt like I was customizing it and making it into something really special. But 
you were able to, your dad took you out and got the accessories. Yes. Like you did with me. When the Stingrays first came in, I could completely rule out any chance of ever getting a Schwinn Stingray bike. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. First of all, my, my dad thought they made no sense. Yeah. And he thought that that banana seat would cause you to probably someday not be able to become a man. Yeah. If you yeah. were in an accident. Uh, yeah. And then the <clears throat> handlebars and whatnot. But he did take us to a place called Ed Cycle Shop where he got the banana seat and the handlebars and the big mirror and the big fat reflector. And he let us, my brother and I, he converted our bikes that we had to Stingrays. The only thing missing was that big fat knobby rear tire. Remember mm-hmm. the big yeah, knobby? Sure. Did you pull wheelies, Smitty? No, I wasn't that talented. I didn't pull <laughs> wheelies, Mike. Okay. I did not do that. You didn't want to mess up that artistic paint job, uh, that no, signature that signature custom filigree paint that you had all uh, over your bike. Absolutely. Although I do remember one time I took a curve. I, I made a left turn onto the other street way too fast, and I wound up at too sharp of an angle, and I wound up skidding into the street. Luckily, there were no cars, and luckily, I really wasn't hurt, but it was somewhat embarrassing. As I recall, there was somebody in their front yard, and they started laughing at me. So I just got on my bicycle and rode away. <laughs> you know, that's funny, too, buddy, because there was no rule about having to wear a helmet. No, not at Every all. Every kid you see nowadays, they yeah. look like they're they're going to be a tank commander yeah. in the Marines. Yeah, there were no... They have all this gear and knee pads and whatnot. No. No, no. You didn't even wear a ball cap. Oh, no, not at Half all. Half the time, you were in sandals or barefooted. Right. And... <laughs> yeah, I, I got my I got my toe caught in the bike chain once and my socks uh, on the way to school. But, you know, most of the time you just were flying down the street yeah. and cars pulling in front of you or whatnot. You just zoom around them. Exactly. You zoom around them and you weren't wearing any helmets or anything. And oftentimes you're wearing a short sleeve shirt or a yeah. T-shirt. Or if you took a fall, you probably were going to get scraped up pretty bad. And, folks, that's why Gilbert is with us today, uh, able to talk, because... He avoided a lot of these collisions because his bicycle was so well lubricated. Oh, yes. And uh, he changed the oil on the pedals about every 300 miles. Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Uh, factory maintenance. And he had the little <laughs> stickers, the maintenance stickers all along. Did you get a bike license? I never got a bike Did San Diego get I licenses? Never, they did give them, and I wanted to get one, and I never got one. Yeah, I always wondered what the deal was with the bicycle license. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the first thing a kid would sand off if he stole your bike? Yeah, exactly. You know, But it sounded neat. Hey, I can get a license for my bicycle, and it only costs a dollar. Yeah. I never got one. I never went to, down to the fire station. You can yeah. get them at the fire station. Get a bike license. Get a bike license at the fire station for one dollar. Did you lock your bike? Did you have the chain lock with the I combination? Think I, had a, I think I did have a lock on it, yeah. I think it was part of the accessories that we got. So Were I you a lock change. picker earlier no, in your life? No, did you never, pick locks? I never. I think I tried, and I didn't have much success with it, so I kind of gave up on it. But how about you? No, I didn't like that. I, I just liked the old master padlock because the combination ones, I could never remember the combination, which is, of course, why I carried the ball peen hammer and the screwdriver in my book bag because I... Went through a lot of combination <laughs> locks. I was thinking about other things. Uh, yes. Typically, I was always on the path of, well, probably the most dangerous gift I ever got was the 99 and 1 experiments. 99, over 99 experiments with this one chemistry set. Oh, yeah, the chemistry And it had set. the whole cabinet. You'd open it up, and there were little jars, mm-hmm. and they had all these tannic acid and yeah. sulfuric manubra. 
<laughs> in carbolic synthetic citronella. <laughs> but it sounded cool. And what do we do, Smitty, little guys? Well, first thing we do, you'd have to throw the directions away. Absolutely. You didn't need those. Get you that out of here. We don't need no stinking directions. Get that. Yeah, throw that away. <laughs> you know, and then they give you a little, little, little measuring thing. It looked like, I don't know, you see these 80s movies. You see Scarface, and it looked like a cocaine spoon, a little tiny spoon <laughs> yeah, that you would measure. Mm-hmm. You'd throw that away, too. Hey, uh, tell my brother, go ahead and get a spoon, will you? A real spoon. Yeah. We're going to make some stuff. Yeah. And we'd take a little bit of everything, mix it up, and then add worse to worse. They'd give you a beaker that you could light up mm-hmm. with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And we'd immediately run out of the alcohol. We'd burn it off just watching it burn. So what else could we use? Dad's Vitalis. Oh, yeah. Don't try this at home, folks, but most of you listeners, if you're our age, you've already tried it at home. You could light Vitalis, and the cool thing about that, it would burn, and you couldn't see the flame. Vitalis was uh, highly flammable, and it was uh, a good substitute for alcohol. We'd use it, put it in the beaker, light it up, sure. and cook this stuff up till it was bubbling, and it would smoke. Yeah. Oh, God, if we ever took a whiff of that, it'd be over. I wouldn't be here doing the show today. No, no. Or I would, but I'd sound differently. Yeah, you would, or else, you know, I'd be here doing the show by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, the chemistry sets, and, and I don't think they even sell chemistry sets now. I guess they must not. Or something with the Patriot Act, I'm not sure, but... I, those things could get you in trouble. They could yeah. really get you in trouble. The prop, the Winmac prop uh, racing cars that used the little gasoline engines yeah, yeah. that had that very sharp plastic prop, and right. it would move the car around. It would go in circles. It could take a finger off. Absolutely could take a finger off, yeah. But a lot of us remain whole after these years. We've survived, and uh, it's amazing that uh, being exposed to all that stuff, and we're still here, and we're all complete. We don't have any missing limbs well every time we do a show like this when we talk about something off the ordinary of course modern american culture and music and everything everybody can relate to but i know there are listeners out there who have their own stories about how they would change things around customize things bikes uh the things that you would do with an erector set that should never be attempted with an erector set and we do them and oh yeah we'd love to hear from you folks out there because we do incorporate this into our shows, and a lot of these shows, we just don't go to Wikipedia and find this stuff up. We lived it. We've walked oh, yeah. the walk we walked and the talked walk. the talk. Yeah, that's right. But we do thank you. Uh, we're going to run out of time on this show. It's been a remembrance of, of things we did, and that's basically the show, things we listened to, things we did, things we read, things we watched. We really appreciate you joining us because you're like family here, and it's like we're sitting on the patio sitting talking about the, the days that we never thought we remembered. That's and exactly right. How many people, Smitty, will email us and tell us, you know, I never thought of that. I lost that memory for 30 years till you guys brought it up. We've gotten emails yeah. like that, and yeah. it's so gratifying that somebody says, hey, I hadn't thought about that in 30 years. Some of these things we haven't thought about in 30 yeah. years either. Yeah. So Even just talking here, one memory leads to yeah. another memory leads to another memory. So we do want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your memories from that time Absolutely. period. Absolutely. Well, Smitty, how, how do they reach us? Well, they can reach us on our email by which going is? to which is <laughs> galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com. Galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightsight.com. And, of course, don't forget our page on Facebook, the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside page on Facebook. And don't forget all of our 
over 130 programs are available on Apple iTunes. You can just go to iTunes and go to the podcast tab and type in Baby Boomer Radio and you will hear any of our past 130 programs from the past four years. And if you do think of emailing us, and we hope you do, or, or send us a message on Facebook, always specify the show that that really got your attention. I know some people have taken vacations. They've listened to all 120-plus shows. shows. Yeah. But if a show really stands out or really provokes a memory to you, we'd love to hear about it because it helps us build off on those shows. And some shows address different things than other shows, but we're going to keep trying to deliver the best of the Baby Boomer memorabilia and content to you. And you can help. So uh, keep that feedback coming. And until next week, or the next time Gilbert lubricates his bicycle chain, (laughs) whichever day comes first, I'm Mike. And I'm Smitty. And you've been listening to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.